2: This is the John Fuglesang Podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Tell Me Everything. I'm so glad you're here with us. You know, it's been crazy already. We're already glad you're here to finish off a day here on the show that takes on fascism, fraud, fear, and Fools and fuckery, the muckraking, risk-taking, rule-breaking, claim-staking, mischief-making, hip-shaking, wake-and-baking monster of a show Call, Tell Me Everything. We welcome everybody of every age, race, gender, creed, identifier, open to liberals and, and, and progressives and Democrats and moderates and fans of sanity, anti-evil people. We welcome conservatives, fascists who think they're still conservatives, fake patriots, trickle-downers, Christians in name only, and racists who think they couldn't possibly be racist because they sat through a Kevin Hart movie one time. You're all welcome. We will be friendly. We won't bullshit you. We are bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble, and tonight's going to be a great one. Allison Gill of the Mother She Wrote podcast and the Daily Beans podcast will be joining us to make sense of the latest revelations out of Trump world, including uh, Alan Weisselberg is taking a deal, but it's a slap on the wrist. Um also comedian Rhonda Hansom joins us later on in the show. And of course, our most important guest as always is you guys. Announcements, the Stephanie Miller sexy liberal save democracy tour is happening. It's a real thing. Three dates only. This year, one East Coast, one West Coast, one Midwest. And the East Coast date will be Saturday, the 10th of September in Washington, D.C. at the Sidney Harmon Center for the Performing Arts. We've played there before. This will be the first show with the original tour lineup of Stephanie, House Sparks, and myself. Oh, my, since like 20, I think 2013. So please come on down to D.C. It's going to be a big old party. Chris Household is our executive producer here at the Love Fest. The Harper is our associate producer and... Well, let's, 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 let's do a show, shall we? Right now, this is what we're dealing with, okay? Uh, try to keep this straight. The, the people who say January 6th was Antifa and Black Lives Matter and harmless tourists and deep state FBI agents, but we can't investigate it. Those people, they remind you that Trump never took top secret docs to mar lago And if he did, he had executive privilege, so he could do it, but he didn't do it. And he returned everything he didn't take. And it was planted there by the FBI. Also, he declassified all of it and he didn't know about them. That's the narrative you're going with if you're defending Trump on this. Uh, It's not going to get better for him. Reality Winner took one document and she had four years in prison. So this is the level playing field we're walking onto. And honestly, guys, I I just wanted to come out tonight and talk about how the Republican Party is losing its damn mind. (sighs) Because it makes me feel better to mock, to ridicule, to use satire. But we also have to talk about a very serious anniversary that dovetails nicely with Republican stupidity and dishonesty, the Afghan War, which ended one year ago today. Now, the Afghan War... I always said for years was like a reality TV show that um, was always on. Everybody hated it. Nobody was watching it. It cost us way too much. And it kept getting renewed year after year. Well, one year ago, it ended. Joe Biden canceled the reality show that was Afghanistan. We left amidst fears that Kabul could fall within 90 days. Four days later, Kabul fell. A year ago. There's no... Children that have been alive when America's not been at war unless they're one year or younger. This was the longest-running U.S. socialist jobs program in the Middle East. And today, the Taliban and their supporters waved their black and white flag all over the streets of Afghanistan to celebrate a year since they marched on the Capitol and took power back after a very rapid series of battlefield victories. And this is the part where I remind you that Donald Trump and his Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, released 5,000 Taliban fighters from prison, including their leader, who now runs the country. That's going to be relevant here. Now, since we left on a very bloody pullout with 13 Americans killed by a terrorist attack that Republicans blamed Democrats for because Republicans don't blame terrorist attacks on terrorists. Since then, life for most of the country's 40 million people has gotten worse. The economy has totally imploded. The Afghan government's 2022 budget is down 60% from where it was in 2020. Now, before last year, this country was reliant on foreign aid for 75% of public spending, and that foreign aid has gone away. Basic household goods inflation in Afghanistan is 52%, uh, and per capita income is down to about $375 per year. That's the lowest level that's been in a decade. People in Afghanistan are struggling with poverty, drought, malnutrition, and of course, a dimming hope among women that they will ever have a decisive role in this country. The last time the Taliban ruled Afghanistan in the late 90s, women couldn't work. Strict Islamic law was brutally enforced, including sometimes through public executions. Girls were banned from schools. Now, we're returning to that place. And aid groups have said their biggest challenge over the last year hasn't been security concerns, but just there's no funding. Also, because much of the world's attention turned to Ukraine after Russia invaded in February. (laughs) You know, listen, my plan always for Afghanistan, I always said if they'd listen to me, what we should do is bring our troops home, but leave all their weapons with the Afghan women. Try that. Within 20 years, you'll see some shit clear up. But no one listened to me. And in the past year, we've heard a lot of blame directed at Joe Biden. People who didn't mind the botched bin Laden Torah Bora escape, the ones who didn't mind the botched Karzai regime, the botched nation building we were never going to try, the botched reconstruction money, the botched 20-year occupation, the botched Afghan army that didn't work after 20 years of training. They all got really mad at Joe Biden's botched Afghanistan withdrawal. And that narrative is largely stuck for a year. I mean, and Coulter. And Coulter said Joe Biden was the only president with the balls to bring troops home, and and would know. But again, who was it that freed 5,000 Taliban? Who negotiated the surrender? Who excluded the Afghan government from this surrender negotiations? Who wanted to pull out months earlier? That would be Trump and Pompeo, who surrendered to the Taliban. Former Afghan President Ghani was on Fareed Zakaria's show over the weekend. I don't know if you guys happen to see it, uh, but Fareed asked, do you think the Trump accord with the Taliban was a disaster? Just give a little listen to, again, this is the president who escaped, who was accused of leaving the country with $160 million when he fled. But his whole point was that they dissolved the government. So there was nothing to defend. Trump didn't invite the government to the negotiations with the Taliban. Give a listen to, to former President Ghani on Fareed This Weekend.
3: You think that Trump accord with the Taliban was a disaster? It was. Everybody in the agreement. We had an Afghan-owned, an Afghan-led peace process. We created the first real ceasefire. And if you look at the December evaluation of the DOD report, it says in the last 18 years, there's never been as big an opportunity for a political settlement as now, and then the, our intern Afghan-owned and led process was hijacked. We were excluded from the peace table, and the peace process was incredibly flawed. It's the assumption that Taliban had changed, were delusion. The process violates everything that from Aitchison in Marshall to Kissinger in Baker, regarding preparation, regarding organization. We never got to discussions. It was all foreplay. Yet huh. the, in, in 2017, you interviewed me right after that, when President Trump announced his Afghanistan and South Asia strategy, President announced that it be a condition-based agreement. They are never going to repeat the mistakes of a time bound. Yet in Mm -hmm. 2019, Secretary Pompeo was was seeking a a time bound agreement and then signed on February, uh, had signed, in his presence it was signed, uh, a time bound agreement. This agreement was supposed to be conditional. But none of the core conditions uh, was not only observed, the government our partner, the government of the United States, became the enforcer of the Here Taliban agreement on us. Threatening us with cut off of aid, with every conceivable form of pressure to release 5,000 of the most hardened criminals, uh, etc.
2: Did you catch that part? That's the part that matters. He said the government of the United States, that's Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump's government, became the enforcer of the Taliban agreement on us. Threatening us with cut-off aid, with every conceivable form of pressure to release 5,000 of the most hardened criminals, etc. Again, these comments come one year after the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was ultimately executed by the Biden administration. The troops withdrawal led to the Taliban regaining full control of the country and thousands of Afghans desperately trying to flee the country in fear. Incredible food insecurity remains, incredible setbacks for women. And again, it was negotiated by Trump Pompeo. They gave Syria to the Russians, along with all those American bases. They betrayed the Kurds to the Turks. They betrayed Afghanistan to the Taliban. And, and again, man, you could make the argument that Trump and the way he fucked up in Syria, which was all to make Putin happy, and then the surrender to the Taliban was the best thing to ever happen to ISIS or Al-Qaeda. Again, Donald Trump and doughy mediocrity Mike Pompeo negotiated surrendering Afghanistan to the Taliban, they freed 5,000 Taliban and that's when the Afghan government, which is what we called it, but it wasn't really, the Afghan government stopped paying their army because they dissolved. So the army had no incentive to fight. So when American pundits were all wondering a year ago, why isn't the Afghan army fighting? Why would they? There was nothing left for them to defend. And there was nothing for Biden to do. Trump and Pompeo had gotten these 5,000 men released. They got the leader released. They had surrendered. Trump had given the Taliban all the forward bases and equipment and pulled all the 2,500 troops. And Trump also undermined our ability to evacuate refugees and process visas. Look, Joe Biden deserves his share of the catastrophe. Absolutely. But the media is acting like it's only one president. And I'm sorry, uh, every president since Bush owns a little bit of the murderous, tragic fuck up that was the Afghan withdrawal. And all that development aid, the country relied on so heavily. It's all been cut. Because the international community rightly demands the Taliban respect the rights of Afghans, particularly girls and women, whose access to work, whose access to this basic education has gone away. Trump and Pompeo set the table for this failure. Biden executed it. No one should escape blame here. But again, the winners in the Afghanistan war, oh, there were winners. You might not know it. But the winners were mercenaries from Blackwater, defense contractors who just racked up dollars for 20 years, lobbyists, they made a lot, consulting firms. ISIS did very well. Uh, Corrupt American politicians and corrupt Afghan politicians. Who lost the Afghan war? Well, our fallen troops and the Afghan people and the U.S. taxpayers. That's who lost the Afghan war. Jean-Paul Sartre said, when the rich wage war, it is the poor who die. Do we have this clip? I just want to play this really briefly. This is Donald Trump. Now this put this together. This is a series of Donald Trump quotes from different speeches and interviews from 2017 to 2020. Do we have it, Chris? I don't, let me, let me look for, let me. Oh, I don't know if it came through. I sent it as a, as a text. Well, don't worry if we don't have it, but it's an audio montage. I want to get at some point. Look, the the point is this. People blaming Trump for May Afghanistan withdrawal date and negotiating with the Taliban, not the Afghan government. Even more of us should be blaming George W. Bush for putting us there in the first place. And then there's the Biden blamers. People, I say, can't we all come together on this and just blame Ronald Reagan for creating the Taliban in the first place? We are at 866-997-4748. Now, I've got to talk about Republicans just a little bit because they were busy this weekend. They're out there defending Donald Trump as best they can. And the way that goes is he never took the docs, But again, he had executive privilege. So it's okay if he did. But he returned them all and they were planted by the FBI. And he declassified them and never even knew they were there. That's the playing field. People of Earth, I give you Jim Jordan, proud congressman from Ohio and a couple of locker rooms, continuing to have umbrage on behalf of Donald Trump. Here he is, wait for it, on, wait for it, Fox News, telling, without giving names, that he has had no less than 14 FBI agents come to his office and offered a whistleblow on Joe Biden's Department of Justice.
4: Understand the template here. The template never changes with these guys. It's the left creates a lie, big media, mainstream press reports the lie, big tech amplifies the lie, and then when we try to tell the truth, they call us names and try to cancel us and tell us and tell the world that oh we're the ones not not being square with them. Uh, so the country though the good news is they figured it out, and I'll tell you who else has figured it out, Trey, and you and John with your background in law enforcement appreciate this. 14 FBI agents have come to our office as whistleblowers, what? and they are good people. There are lots of good people in the FBI. It's the top that's the problem. But the, some of these good agents are coming to us telling us this is baloney what's going on. The political nature now of the Justice Department. God bless them for doing it. coming and talk to us about the school board issue, about a whole host of issues. I mean, it's becoming a well-worn trail of agents who say this has got to stop. And thank goodness for them. And thank goodness that the American people recognizes it. And I believe they're going to make a big change on November 8th.
2: 14. Did you hear what you hear, you hear what Jim just said? 14 FBI agents came forward as whistleblowers over this horrible DOJ politicizing. 14! Folks, y- you have to understand that he's asking you to believe that 14 FBI agents would go to Jim Jordan, a known liar who helped cover up sexual assault. Okay? That they would go to this guy, known liar, ensnared in a cover up of sexual abuse, 14 times. If you believe that, I will give you a unicorn ride. Of course, names of these FBI agents? No. Uh, What were they whistleblowing? Is there evidence of anything? No. No. The GOP has nothing to offer but umbrage. Maybe they've looked at the latest poll numbers. I want to play you this. Here's Ron DeSantis, boy governor. Probably happy Trump keeps tripping over his own Dick Nixon parallels. But that doesn't mean Ron won't make hay out of the headlines. Here is the empty suit taking a few shots at the FBI. and the, Now keep in mind, Ron DeSantis is so mad because Donald Trump's numbers are doing so well now that Ron DeSantis knows he's going to have to be Trump's vice president. Give it a quick listen.
4: I remember the FBI at Merrick
5: Garland's direction being sick on parents going to school
2: board meetings. Meanwhile, when you have a law that protects Supreme Court justices, is the FBI out there protecting our conservative
5: justices? No. When you Uh, have violations of law where people are targeting pregnancy crisis centers, are they doing their job and enforcing the (laughs) law there? No. They're enforcing the law based on who they like and who they don't like. That is not a republic.
2: Ron DeSantis is like the douchey R.A. who can't stop punishing you for your room condition report not being ready on time. I mean, this is the guy the GOP is betting everything on in the wake of Trump. And, you know, there's no bigger fan than Carrie Lake. I, I, I We're opening up the phones to you guys at 866-997-GRIT for the rest of the hour. <laughs> this Republican Party, I, I, this is the woman who's got a very good shot at being governor of Arizona. This is her at... Charlie Kirk's racist little turning point fake Christian action conference in Phoenix and she's talking about Big dick energy in the Ron DeSantis campaign. I I want you to listen to this and imagine if I don't know Michelle Obama Ever gave a speech like this. What would the right wing say?
0: The guy has bigger Okay (laughs) Wait, let me think about how I want to word this my staff always says whatever you do do not say balls So I'm not going to say it. That guy has a backbone made of steel. I'll tell you what he's got. I don't know if you heard of this, but he's got BDE. Anybody know what that means? Ask your kids about it later. I call it Big DeSantis energy, right? (laughs) He's got the same kind of BDE that President Trump has. And frankly, he has the same kind of BDE that we want all of our elected (laughs) leaders to have.
2: Oh, oh, they're going to make me go to church. That's that's that is, folks, perhaps the next governor of Arizona talking about the size of Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis's dicks. (sighs) It was kind of hard to hear over the sound of Eisenhower screaming from his crypt. Yes, Chris.
5: She said, go go ask your children about that later. Isn't turning point.
2: Uh, uh like a like a youth oriented uh, organization chris i took extreme caution i'm very very thorough here i made sure to call it a fake christian organization when i was introducing
5: no it. but but it's like but it's about it's about students and children and yeah. she's like go go ask your kids later it's like so maybe she's kind of doing a subtle nod to these you know uh forced uh, birth uh, laws that are happening around the country <laughs>
2: Yeah. Just thinking out loud. Now, now, now again, keep in mind, they're, what, what are they not talking about? They're not talking about issues. They're not talking about anything that impacts the lives of the non-millionaires who are suckered into supporting this party. Um, so where's the polling on the Senate? 538 has their new average. You ready? Have you heard the numbers from 538, Chris? In Pennsylvania, Fetterman, 49%. Dr. Oz, 38%. 11 point difference. In Arizona... Democratic Senator Mark Kelly, 51%, Blake Masters, 40%, 11-point difference. Ohio, uh, Tim Ryan, 45.8%, J.D. Vance, 41.3%, 4.5% difference. What about Georgia? Raphael Warnock, 46.9%, Walker, 44%. That is still baffling. I refuse to believe it's going to be close in Georgia. I'm sorry. I think there's not enough black folks that will vote for Herschel Walker, and there's enough racists who won't show up. Uh, In Nevada, uh, Cortez Masto, 44.1%. Laxalt, 42.5%. Democrat leading in Nevada as well. North Carolina, that's the one place where it's tight. Uh, The Republican, Bud, leading uh, 44.3%. To Beasley, the Democrat, at 44%. Folks, we're looking at all these different states... Pennsylvania, Arizona, Ohio, Georgia, Nevada, and North Carolina. In all of them, except North Carolina, Democrats are leading. And in North Carolina, it is a statistical tie. This Senate cannot just be preserved. This Senate can be built upon. And maybe, just maybe, the House can pass a lot of bills before they leave. And the new, stronger Senate can pass them without having to grovel before Joe Manchin
1: Explore more stories like Shayna's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies.
2: Welcome back. This is SiriusXM XM Progress. Are you confused by what your right wing loved ones, your co-workers, your family, that guy you knew in high school you're still inexplicably friends with on Facebook? Are you are you confused with their defenses of Donald Trump in the Mar-a-Lago uh, search that was not a raid? He, here's here's how it works again. Donald Trump never took any secret documents. OK, but if he did, he had executive privilege. OK, also, he returned everything. He returned all of it. And it was all planted by the FBI, but he never had it and he declassified it and he never knew about it. OK, that shouldn't be too hard to follow. Right. It seems to be working for everyone who watches Fox News. However, our viewers, our, our listeners are a little smarter than that. So we got to go deeper. And we just found out this afternoon that Alan Weisselberg, the former longtime CFO for the Trump org, who is accused of getting years of off the books payments, is close to a plea deal. With Manhattan prosecutors, wait, the same Manhattan prosecutors that have been so deeply disappointing with the Trump organization investigation? Yes, he's cut a deal with the Manhattan D.A. five months, but no cooperation. I mean, no cooperation and only five months. Why do white collar douchebags get off so easily? Please welcome back to the show a hero for fans of free speech, Allison Gill. Began her first podcast Muller. She wrote out of her kitchen when the government investigated her podcast Donald Trump had her fired even though she'd worked for the government for over 11 years. She then became the host of the Daily Beans, one of the best podcasts you can listen to. It is a great pleasure to welcome Alison Gill back to the show. Hello.
7: It is a great pleasure to be here. I absolutely love your show and uh, I I am so uh, thankful for what you're doing um, and and the important information that you're getting out to everybody. John, seriously, I love this.
2: Uh, wow, I thought they told you I was Dino Badala for a second. That's so nice to hear that you think that of me. Um, it's great to have you back. Uh, Allison, last week, I every day of the week, I was going to talk about uh, remote work every day I was going to do an opening monologue about remote work and versus versus going back to the office and what where is the politics on that because I was just so sick of politics and every day last week, after this search where there was probable cause for a legal warrant, every day the story kept exploding and exploding. I was so excited to talk about this with you today and get your take on it after a week to let it all absorb. But I'm a little bit shocked. I mean, the Manhattan DA, Weisselberg's been on the hook for four years now. He's about to walk with a five-month prison plea deal, but only serving like 100 days and no cooperation at all. Do you have any inkling what might be going on with the Manhattan DA's office?
7: Uh, Other than I'm extremely upset, no. I have no idea why they're doing this. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, You know, they could put him in the grand jury now and uh, he, you know, he wouldn't be able to plead the fifth. The thing about a New York grand jury is you're not you never plead the fifth because uh, testifying in front of a New York grand jury automatically gives you immunity. So he could have Mm -hmm. done that at any time. And they're like, well, they'll get him for perjury. And I'm like, they have him dead to rights on tax evasion. Why would they why would they throw that away for a perjury charge? It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I don't understand it. Uh, but you're right, man. Every day last week, something something popped up. And even today, you know, I was looking at my intro for the Daily Beans that I recorded earlier today that's going to come out tomorrow. And if you read the intro and if you if you pull yourself out of the world that we're in right now and, and read it from like, I don't know if you're Canadian or think about if, if it happened like three years ago or somebody that might find it in hear it 30 years from now, even today, Every single headline in the in the news was just absolutely bonkers. Rudy Giuliani is a target now of the investigation, uh, and that means he's he's bound to be indicted in 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 Fulton County. Lindsey Graham, a judge, denied him his motion to quash his subpoena from the Fulton. I mean, every single thing that happened today, it it, it absolutely just blows my mind, and uh, I I think it's just going to keep on being this way for quite a while.
2: It does feel a bit like justice is arriving, even though we're watching all this extensive infrastructure being installed to help the next politician who wants to do a big lie get away from it. We're seeing legislatures now that will have the ability to throw out votes from any counties that they don't feel like if it doesn't smell right to them with no evidence at all. So it's very heartening to begin to see some small bits of accountability now. I don't think we'll ever see Rudy Giuliani indicted by his former Southern District of New York. I just I just don't see them ever doing it after, you know, Rudy, noun, verb, 9-11. He's been the president of 9-11 for 20 years. I, I don't see them doing it. But I will say, wow, Fulton County D.A., uh, he could face indictment right now for his election interference. And this goes back to his, you know, fake electors scheme. He could really face indictment in Georgia.
7: Yeah, and that's what a target letter is. It's basically, you know, lawyer up, we're gonna indict you or come in and talk to us uh, and, and roll on somebody. And and you know, the, the first person to cut a deal gets the best deal. So that's you know, come on down. Now she's sent target letters to I think 17 other people too. I mean, this is a huge, massive, sweeping investigation. She's looking at racketeering or conspiracy. I mean, it's it's giant. And and it's I'm glad that the justice seems to start is seeming to start coming down because it works. And and the, the way that we know it works is that, you know, there's all of after the uh, FBI executed the search warrant on Mar-a-Lago, there's all of the ramped up uh, threats against uh, Department of Homeland Security and the FBI. So much, we saw so what much. happened in Cincinnati. We saw what happened early this morning at the Capitol with some guy whose car caught on fire and was firing shots in the air before he took his own life. But the the fact that we have over eight hundred arrests, three hundred and fifty plea deals, and all these—we're starting to get convictions and seeing five-year sentences, eight-year sentences—in just the boots on the ground for the capital insurrection. Uh, I think all these calls for a quote-unquote civil war. I think people are looking at that like, ah, you know, I'm not going to get involved in that. Uh, people are going to jail. Um, I'm not going to get yeah. you know wrapped up in that kind of thing. And and I think that's why these threats i mean are happening but that the actual attacks are few and far between and they're losing uh and so i do think that the deterrence and accountability is working and as soon as they get to the, the more you know the suits as opposed to the boots as right. uh, glenn christner calls them i think that that you know that will make people think twice about trying to do this but if the supreme court in moore v harper decides that state legislatures can just pick whatever electors they want that's a right. whole different ball
2: a completely different nightmare. Um, but you, you mentioned Lindsey Graham. And I want to say we, this is also good news that this federal judge has denied Lindsey Graham's attempt to get rid of his Fulton County subpoena for the grand jury. Uh, the court finds the DA has shown extraordinary circumstances and a special need for Senator Graham's testimony. For those who don't remember, uh, only two things really need to know. Lindsey Graham, like Trump, is on tape trying to strong arm the Georgia secretary of state into throwing out the election and just giving it to Trump. And, um, Lindsey Graham doesn't live in Georgia. That's not the state he represents. Uh, I guess I'm so used to seeing Lindsey Graham get away with it, Allison. I mean, he is the only one of Bill Clinton's impeachment managers to have been promoted and to be doing better now, 20 years later. How significant is it that Georgia is just holding these prominent Republican liars accountable?
7: Well, it's hugely significant. And and one of Lindsay's arguments was uh, he was invoking the speech or debate clause, which is very broad. And I thought it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, I thought it was a pretty good argument, honestly, a good legal argument, because we see it work so often. Uh, but what what this judge decided was, hey, those phone calls may have been about a legislative purpose. But they weren't solely about a legislative purpose. And there are so many other things you can testify to with regards to your actions uh, in, you know, in the events leading up to and post 2020 election in Georgia. And so he his his argument failed. Now, it is going to be appealed up to the 11th Circuit, which is like the third or fourth most conservative circuit court uh, in the country. So we'll see how that pans out. But it'll be on a much more expedited schedule than, say, the Oversight Committee trying to get Mazar's documents or the House Ways and Means Committee trying to get Trump's taxes. It's not going to take years, right? It's going to take weeks.
2: It's going to take weeks. Um, Let me talk to you a bit about the actual documents that Donald Trump had at his home, or at least what we know about it. We had a listener named Vin Rome right on Friday who said, uh, I spent 31 years working for the U.S. government. I held a top secret clearance. And was the manager for the Army's nuclear stockpiles from nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty three. Never stole nor accidentally walked off with a classified documents in my entire thirty one years. This was intentional. Allison, what's racked my brains is what what possibly could Trump be doing with any classified information at Mar-a-Lago?
7: Well, Jennifer Taub, who is a mutual friend of ours, I believe, uh, yes. she posited the same question back in October of 2020 prior to the election about those kinds of things, burrowing employees at the NSA and the Pentagon and the CIA and why that would happen. And, and she was posing that question and I answered it simply by saying, he's going to sell our secrets to pay his debts. We all knew that he's coming up with about 800 million to a billion dollars due in 2023 and no bank wants to lend him money uh, right. so that would these loans could be underwritten by russian banks uh funneled through you know shell companies and llcs and that's it. and all that so that's what i think that's the purpose uh, of this whole thing and that's also why why instead of destroying these documents He's moved them somewhere, which they have on surveillance camera, uh, because these are like cash to him. These are valuable, valuable documents. So we'll see where they end up and uh, what the uh, Department of Justice finds out uh, with regards to where these documents have gone.
2: I did a sketch uh, for one of our pay-per-view specials during the pandemic. Our tour had to stop and we were doing these pay-per-view shows. And I literally did a sketch taking place one year after Trump left office of his pay-per-view special where he was announcing uh, government secrets and classified secrets uh, to people. If they bought tickets for his pay-per-view, they could hear. Um, And, and, you know, it has to be a grift. I mean, why else would he have these things? He's either he's either going to sell it. Or he's going to give it to someone he owes money to. There's no other reason. It's got to be transactional.
7: That's 100 percent. He's a transactional guy. We all know this. Um, And and what um, gives me a little comfort is that the Department of Justice knows what documents are missing. The National Archives knows what's missing. They just have to find them.
2: Now, we don't know. We don't know what was in those boxes. And if they were nuclear documents, we don't know what was in them. We don't know if it was about U.S. facilities or other countries. We don't know what laws, other laws Trump may have broken by taking the information out. One thing we are pretty sure about is that Donald Trump doesn't have a magic wand he waves to declassify things, right? It seems like that's this week's desperate piece of propaganda. Trump declassified them all, even though he never took them and didn't know they were there. They were declassified. I mean... That's only going to work with the most hardened of MAGA troll members, right?
7: Yeah, I had to tweet uh, when I heard about the potential nuclear secrets uh, because, as you know, I was uh, I was in the Navy and yeah. I had a uh, top secret SCI clearance and I I was the guardian of the reactor manuals. Very, very sensitive information. And and much like the the person who wrote into the show about working for the government for 31 years. Yeah, you don't just accidentally walk off with these documents and he can't classify them post leaving. And there's no such thing as a standing order for declassification of everything that leaves the Oval Office and goes up with him, there's a process to declassify things. And that is one of the reasons that I think Rolling Stone was reporting on Trump making Meadows the fall guy, was because Trump put Meadows and Cipollone and Philbin and eventually Kosh Patel in charge of you know, the, the, the presidential records. And and those those are going to, those are going to end up being the fall guys. And and it, you know I I don't think it's an accident that the DOJ got Meadows's phone in April and then they went down to Mar-a-Lago in June. I don't think those things are unrelated.
2: Can I ask you about that? Because Meadows is the weird part of all of this for me. It, it it's almost like he he kept getting on the wrong side of Trump's rage. You know his book revealed a few things that Trump didn't like, and it was after that happened and Trump publicly denounced him that. Meadows had already turned in his binders full of smoking guns to the committee. All these texts, all these Fox News personalities. I mean, Meadows just gave everything. And then when Trump got mad at him for something completely different, Meadows turned around and sued the January 6th committee. Is he just a dumb guy, Allison? Is he just a big old dope that he would give them all this information, all they needed to hang Trump and then sue them? I don't understand this timeline.
7: These are the questions that we have to ask, uh, and, and and you and I have asked this question quite a bit, especially when it, how it pertains to Lindsey Graham, Mark Meadows. What does Trump have on them that, that, is, that, that he waves around uh, and and then they fall into line? Uh, and, you know, it's it's also not lost on me that to buy a couple of boxes of photos were taken out yeah. of Mar-a-Lago uh, that day. Photos? Does he seem like a sentimental fellow to you? Uh, I I have to wonder if anything that was retrieved from Mar-a-Lago adjacent to, that, to those classified documents is compromised. I, have
2: to I mean, ask. we, we I have also to ask. know an entire folder, uh, an entire document on uh, dossier on President Macron of France was taken. I mean, if there were photos in that, then I'm thinking Melania took it, quite obviously, because I want to find someone who looks at me like she looked at him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he clearly whole, didn't like him very much. Oh, I mean, the whole thing is such a mess. And, uh, you know, then I then I spent all weekend thinking. What government would want damaging information on President Macron? All weekend, Allison, I can't get away from this guy in my head. I'm just like, who conceivably could have wanted that? Um, You you know, we we don't know also if the Justice Department is planning to file any charges. It's true, is it not, that the Presidential Records Act is very rarely enforced? Is it not more likely that the DOJ just wanted this information back in their hands and that this whole thing may just go away without any more ado?
7: Well, a lot of folks thought of that, but the DOJ made a filing today um, in in opposition to a bunch of media organizations wanting to unseal the affidavit that was attached to the warrant. And they said you can't it would it would be there would be irreparable harm to an ongoing criminal investigation and an ongoing national security investigation and an ongoing law enforcement investigation, and it would reveal witnesses Uh, who who are uh, part of this investigation that we don't want revealed. So up until this point, it was always a possibility that they just executed this search warrant to get these documents back, just to claw them back so that they were safe. But after today, after that Department of Justice filing uh, that went out today um, where they said, please don't let the affidavit see the light of day. We are in the pre indictment stage of, of a criminal and national security investigation. And you would blow it.
2: I mean, we don't know the details about um, covert U.S. operatives that are in this information. Like the affidavit could reveal, obviously, all manner of disturbing things. We already do know that there was a number of agents' information enclosed in these in in the warrant itself, which Trump preemptively just leaked to Breitbart mm-hmm. and the Wall Street Journal and Fox News, and of course, Breitbart, being Breitbart, doxed every one of those agents and published. Mm-hmm their personal information i mean it just it just it just boggles the mind allison the lack of respect and the fact that if you know if president obama had done anything like this you know exactly the kind of outrage we'd see on the right. So how is this going to play out for him politically? I mean, every day it seems like the right is putting up a whole new means of spinning this to make it all look like a positive or at least spinning it to look ever more victimized because, boy, howdy, are they sending out the mailings hard? Do you subscribe to Trump mailings? It's like I'm getting 20 mm-hmm. a day right now.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that was the whole goal here, right? It was much like the uh, three weeks that Barr had the Mueller report before he allowed it to be released to the public. And they went on a PR tour, spinning the heck out of that, saying no collusion, no obstruction. Um, They don't have Bill Barr now. So this is their only play. And 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 that's what they're doing. They're muddying the waters, creating disinformation, creating confusion, sowing chaos. And and for some people, it, it might work. But I think we were getting so close to criminal charges in this particular investigation that that they had to come out with it first. I call. I've for yeah. for years I've referred to this as lubing the truth. It, it came out. <laughs> it came out when uh, when Junior released his emails talking about coming up with a press response to the Trump Tower meeting. They come out and try to get ahead of it and spin it for their own, so that You're they right. can control the messaging. And that's really easy to do with the Department of Justice because the Department of Justice doesn't do messaging. <laughs> they message with indictments. <laughs> that's how they do messaging. So. Um, that's what they're. That's what they're trying to do with all these conflicting defenses that make no sense. They get us talking about that, and that you know sort of uh, puts their more it puts their but defenses out there even more. Uh, when uh, what we should you know really be focusing on is the fact that he took top secret SCI documents, some of which can't even be listed on an inventory because they can't even ha- confirm their existence. Uh, for nefarious purposes, because if it was just mishandling classified information, we would have seen 18 U.S. Code 1924 on that warrant, and we didn't. We saw ah. espionage, we saw obstruction, and <laughs> and and we saw Presidential Records Act.
2: That's what I was going to say that that exact thing. Yeah. Um, but also, what we're seeing now is Donald Trump supporters using this search as justification to. Criticize or physically attack law enforcement. I mean, Merrick Garland gave his speech last week while an armed gunman was in a shootout after trying to breach the FBI office in Cincinnati on Thursday. We should expect more violent acts like this as the days go on, shouldn't we?
7: Yeah, I think we will. I I think we won't see as many as we would have had we not prosecuted the insurrectionists or been in the process of prosecuting the insurrectionists uh, for what they did on January 6th. But we will see that and they're calling for it. They're not stopping it, much like he waited until after the insurrection was over to tell everyone to go home. We love you. It's a big day. Uh, He's not going to come out and and condemn this violence against the FBI. He's going to let it happen, just like he let the insurrection happen.
2: Our guest is the great Allison Gill of the Daily Beans podcast. So let me, if I may, Ms. Gill, bring it back then uh, a bit to to Merrick Garland and what his options were, because it seems like the Department of Justice really didn't want to have to execute a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. It seems like they did everything they humanly could to avoid this. They politely asked. They sent a subpoena. Earlier this year, we now know Trump gave about 15 boxes back to the government, including some information that was marked classified. The government thought he had more. We know that his lawyers were saying as recently as June, that's it. You have everything. And the government wanted this information back badly enough that they would search his residence, a former president for the first time in American history. I know we're all sick of the word unprecedented here. But the, the warrant asked for permission to search, search all storage rooms, all other rooms or areas within the premises used or available to be used by the former president and his staff. It, it, it just seems remarkable that you could say that there was timidity on the part of, of, of Garland, but here it just seems like months and months of extreme caution. I'm sure you've speculated what could have been in the boxes that would have made them open up this kind of powder keg. What's in the box, right? Merrick Garland <laughs> knew. He knew what he was going to get. He's so methodical and careful. He knew the fury that this would unleash.
7: He did. And and we heard, learned from the Wall Street Journal just today that he spent weeks deliberating this with top people in the Justice Department. They executed subpoenas, grand jury subpoenas back in June. They got subpoenas for the surveillance tapes of the shed where they were storing all, there's a basement, whatever. Uh, and... You know then they went in they got the they got the warrant signed on a friday they went in monday they went at 10 a.m not 6 a.m not 5 a.m they um they weren't wearing their fbi windbreakers they went in in plain clothes so that they they wouldn't be seen they wanted to keep it as quiet uh, as 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 I'm sure the Trump camp wanted to keep it, and they kept it quiet in June. They, Trump was subpoenaed in June twice, and nobody knew. No one. Knew. And Trump was keeping it quiet. Trump's lawyers were keeping it quiet. It wasn't until um, they get to the executing the search warrant, which means you're pretty close to charges. If there's going to be charges, that Trump decided to make a big deal out of this and and spin it and do his PR. And, and yap about it and fundraise off of it. Like you said, 20 texts, 20 emails a day. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think it's it's glaringly obvious that this was there was so much due process uh, that went on uh, with this. And and that you're right. Executing a search warrant was the last thing. And then when Trump came out and said, uh, it, you know, uh, released the warrant, he had the warrant. He had it. Christina Bob signed off on the warrant and the inventory sheet on Monday at six nineteen pm. There's her name. Uh, and and so so Merrick called his bluff. He, did. he said, yep, there is a huge public interest, an extreme public interest. So we filed a motion today, and that's why it was twenty minutes late to that press conference as they were waiting for the motion to be unsealed so he could announce it. Uh, and he said, so we 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 filed a motion to unseal the warrant and in the inventory list and then dropped the mic and walked away. He spoke for three minutes and 52 seconds, and then and his way out, he said, as I said, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not taking any questions. It was huge. It was a huge moment.
2: Now, now again, when we talk about the first president to have his house searched, uh, this is completely separate from the first president to plead the fifth 440 times in a four-hour deposition, which happened a day later, another first. And then by the end of the week, we found out, oh, we have a president who violated the Espionage Act. So many firsts in just one week. But when we let me bring it back to Alan Weisselberg and and today's news, this does relate to Letitia James' long-suffering investigation in New York. We have to separate the January 6th hearings from the Espionage Act investigation from what's going on in Georgia. From what's going on in New York State. And then over here is Summer Zervos and E. Gene Carroll. Those lawsuits, too. There's so many lawsuits this guy's tied up in. But I want to bring it back to Weiselberg Because this guy's 75 years old. He knows where all the bodies are buried. He was Donald Trump's father's right-hand man. He's facing a lot of penalties. 15 years in jail if convicted. So this plea deal he takes today. It'll, he'll avoid a trial, which would be very embarrassing. It'll spare him a long sentence. Um, but... You know, you quoted Andrew Weissman on your Twitter who said the plea would do two things, put a ton of pressure on the Trump org, which is still a defendant, and also permit the D.A. to put Weisselberg in the uh, grand jury, even though he says he's not cooperating, and force him to testify. I, uh, can you explain that for me? Because it seems hard to figure out how <clears throat> Trump isn't wriggling out of yet another one here.
7: I can't really. And I've talked to several lawyers about this. And and after doing a bunch of research, uh, I have come to the conclusion that this plea deal is BS and I hate it. Really? And it's yeah, I, I don't see a positive here um, because first of all, anyone who testifies to a New York grand jury gets immunity. So the fifth is irrelevant. It always has been, and like I said, you know, people, you know, when people uh, people were responding to me, like, well, you know, it could, you know, it could be this, it could be that. They might get him on perjury. Maybe it's a they're trying to get him on perjury. I'm like, they had him on tax evasion. Why they did? <laughs> Why would you throw away a tax evasion, an open and shut slam dunk tax evasion case, mm. to get a perjury charge on somebody? That's this not. The Alvin that's not-
2: Bragg guy, the Salvin Bragg guy, Allison. I don't know.
7: I don't. I don't like him. somebody was like, I wonder what they found on Bragg and Trump's safe.
2: (laughs) But that's what it's that. I mean, that's what we're all wondering, right? I mean, this guy was charged in participating with this years long tax scheme. And somehow he's getting a plea deal, even though he's not going to cooperate. It just sort of seems like Alvin Bragg is where Trump scandals go to die. He just lets them all go.
0: Mm hmm.
7: Yeah. And, and that's, you know, he's 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 called Teflon Don
2: for a reason. Um, but the Teflon uh, Don, Sammy Bull sold out the Teflon Don that he went. He died in prison. <laughs> I keep waiting. <laughs> I keep waiting.
7: I know. I know. I know. I know. I I, I really don't. I can't explain this one. I it, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me when Don and Pomerantz quit, uh, who were the two lead investigators that came that's down right. to help Vance. On this on this and i'm like they can't have quit for good reasons right they were both very upset there's something wrong in alvin bragg's office and I, there's something rotten and i don't know what it is i don't oh, know what here. it is
2: ms gill it is, it is such a pleasure having you with us thank you for making this stuff so much more accessible i'd be most remiss if i didn't ask you what are you feeling optimistic or hopeful about Right now, there has been uh, quite a bit of good news coming in or news that could be good. What is uh, getting you up in the morning?
7: Fonnie Willis, Fonnie T. Willis, uh, Fulton County District Attorney. That's, it's, yeah. uh, her inve- that investigation is huge. It, it, it's going to encapsulate everything. Um, second, the Department of Justice and Wyndham. They brought in that guy Wyndham. And he's heading up another a new 130 prosecutors and they're looking at the fraudulent elector scheme and they've they've subpoenaed they've sent out huge swaths of subpoenas in that case they got jeffrey clark's phone they got john eastman's well they they went to jeffrey clark's house they got john eastman's phone and honestly some of these court filings john eastman wanting his phone back and and the doj just bringing the hammer down on on those kinds of requests (laughs) So that's number one and number two. And number three is the incredible people who listen to shows like yours and listen to the Daily Beans, this community of like-minded, plugged in, active people who care about democracy and care about the truth and facts and honor and decency. That's that's what gets me up in the morning.
2: Right on, same here. It's gonna be a really interesting fall, Ms. Gill, and I'm so glad we can get you back on the show. This is gonna be a midterm season unlike anything we've ever seen before between Donald Trump, may be announcing he's running for president before the midterms happen. Donald Trump may be being indicted before the midterms happen. Joe Biden may be paying off half the federal student loan debt in the country before it. Maybe people will hear about that if he does it. It's such a great honor to have you with us. I listened to the Daily Beans podcast. It is one of the smartest broadcasts you can hear. And it's so nice to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, John. Guys, subscribe to The Daily Beans. Follow Allison Gill at Allison Gill on the Twitter. Thank you so much for being with us. We got to take a quick break. We will be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is progress.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
2: I'm John saying this is SiriusXM Muhammad in Boston, thank you for your patience on hold Hello Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you?
5: Good, good, good uh, Just a bit concerned about the midterms Specifically the me. Congress
2: Yes, totally. <laughs> uh, I,
5: I have high hopes for the Senate uh, Federman's kicking ass I'm sorry, I don't know if I can sort it not But uh, Federman's doing awesome uh, Although that might be a big, you know Turnaround. I don't know, Oz has a lot of name recognition, but the, the Congress in general, I mean, I feel like if the Republicans take over, uh, I mean, five, six, a hundred impeachments, who
2: knows? I know, right? I know. They're going to impeach Hunter Biden. They're going to impeach, they're going to impeach Dr. Jill Biden. They're going to impeach Biden's grandkids.
5: <laughs> I feel like they'll start, they'll start impeaching dead people.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to do it. They're going to go out. They're going to try to impeach Merrick Garland. They're going to do everything, and it's going to be like what we saw with Benghazi. They're going to have a lot of bullshit investigations. They're not going to go anywhere because there's no truth to it. They're just going to do it to make noise and fundraise off of it. They're going to flood the zone with bullshit and do nothing to help conservative people who vote for them.
5: Uh, my, my 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 concern is if we get the Senate, if the, the Democrats get the Senate. Uh, and, you know, pass a bunch of stuff, maybe get rid of the filibuster. Uh, what can Congress do to, I don't know, upend any of that progress?
2: I mean, just getting to the filibuster question alone, that's probably not going to happen. It certainly won't happen with this Congress, and it probably won't happen with the next Senate as well. So it's going to be more of the same. I mean, I have these hopes that a Democratic House can pass a lot in the fall and a Democratic Senate can, can approve them after January. But we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we can still hang on to the House as well if enough people show up to vote. God knows the GOP is not going to be selling anything but umbrage and outrage. 866-997-GRIT. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is SiriusXM Progress. Rhonda, I got to play you my favorite clip. Are you ready for this? I want to hear it. This is Bo Hines bose a young man, and he's running for, uh, for Congress in North Carolina, and he recently won his Republican Party primary. So Chris found this clip. I love it so much. He was on some radio show, and he tried to jump into the discourse on Trump and the FBI and the IRS. Turns out, when he hears the phrase Banana Republic, he thinks it means a store in the mall. He doesn't realize that the store in the mall refers to a type of Governance or lack thereof. So just give a listen. This is someone who's already won his primary in North Carolina. Bo Hines. Take it away. You get to Congress. Is it going to be real? Are
4: we actually going to be willing to defund IRS, FBI and things of that? Nature. Well, I mean, we have to. I mean, we're at a point it's in our country young. now where we have an unregulated fourth branch of government that's targeting middle-class Americans on a daily basis. I mean, it's unbelievable what, what we're seeing. You know, a lot of people have likened the situation that's going on right now as, you know, they say we're in a banana republic. I think that's You're an in. insult uh, to banana republics across the country. I mean, at least the manager of banana republic, unlike our president, knows where he is and why he's there and what he's doing. <laughs>
2: an insult to banana republics across the country. They know what it they're it's a fine <laughs> business. Why are we using this expression, Rhonda?
5: John, because we are in a race in the dumbing down of America. We we really are and and we we hold up this idiocy and praise it. I mean we, I mean we are actually getting Sarah Palin uh 2.0. I mean th- oh, yeah. this this kind of Ignorance is uh, spectacular in nature and uh, and it attracts uh, the the masses. (laughs) It attracts the masses. They feel like, oh, this guy doesn't know any more than I do. He's the one I want running my life in my country. So
2: true. He's not trying to explain things for me in two or three steps. He's saying simple one sentence declarations to make me happy. You know, guys, we got some great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Got to tell you, Ken Burns. I can say that, all right? Can I say Ken Burns is coming back? We're doing a very yeah. special special with Ken Burns. Uh, John Boyega of Star Wars and other things. We're very excited. And what I'm really excited is that Rhonda Handsome is with us on a Monday night and that Rhonda is going to be doing uh, Funny Over 50 at one of my favorite performance venues in all of New York City. Caveat, Rhonda, what is this show?
5: Oh, it is so great. It's uh, being produced by uh, Georgia Clark, who uh, is the producer of Generation Women. And I- I'm happy about it because I'm-, I'm working with friends of mine. Holly Harper, Mary Beth Mooney, Robin Lake. And we're we're doing we're doing our comedy at this fabulous place. And you can live stream it or actually come into caveat in on the Lower East Side in New York. So I want people to uh, go to the caveat website and uh, uh, and buy a ticket and watch it from their couch if they don't feel like, you know, strolling uh, in downtown Manhattan.
2: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for joining us. It's so good to see you. Everyone go to Rhonda as well to learn about her uh, solo show workshop coming up as well. Uh, Thank you to all of our guests, including Allison Gill. I'm John Fugel saying thank you, Thea Harper and Chris Housel. And remember... The fifties were closer to the eighties than the eighties are to now.